You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, this is Katie Harris. This is an episode of the Nursepreneurs podcast. Today we have Rachel Scavola on with us, who is the breath nurse. Rachel, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little background about you as a nurse. What kind of nurse are you? And uh, then we'll get into what you're doing now. So I am registered nurse with over a decade of bedside nursing experience under the umbrella of critical care. So I've worked in neurotrauma ICU in the past, and then a lot of progressive care, very, very high acuity progressive care before actually leaving my bedside nursing career at the end of October 2020. So it's been a while now. And actually still currently work part-time as a telehealth registered nurse as well. Awesome. Near and dear to my heart. I love neurocritical care. That was what I did for 20 years. It's uh, both wonderful, awful, and everything in between. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So you left uh, the bedside at the end of the year of 2020. Uh, What was going on at that time? and, And why did you feel the need to move on? This is a loaded question. I know. <laughs> so I have been dealing with burnout for quite some time. If we go all the way back in my history, I am someone who has lived with chronic illness since childhood and was very, very challenged all through my teen years and into early adulthood. And it's actually why I chose to become a nurse. I was not one of those people who, you know, grew up saying I was going to be a nurse and that's all I wanted to be. It was more, you know, an internal health journey for me and really trying to understand my body, figure out what was wrong because no one else really could. I was kind of one of those mystery diagnosis people and also to be able to advocate for myself because I found that I was coming up against a lot of resistance with, you know, the physicians that I was seeing and feeling like I wasn't being heard, feeling like I wasn't being understood or even believed, to be honest. And so that's what really drew me towards nursing. And then, you know, right out of nursing school, got into neurocritical care and immediately realized that the effects of stress, of career stress on my body and the constant exposure to trauma in that setting was really hard for me to handle. And so I had been on this roller coaster, you know, like wave for years and years in my nursing career, just health wise. And it all came to a head around 2019. That's when I would say my burnout really fully started to stand out for me. And I started struggling with my mental health. And I actually got to the point where I did not want to live a lot of the time. And that's hard to admit. And for a long time, I had a lot of shame around that. But now I understand that so many other nurses and so many other healthcare professionals end up in the same place as me. And so I think there needs to be so much more awareness around that. But for me, it was not just the career stress, it was collective with all of my health challenges too. And the fact that I didn't feel like I could get better when I was still working at the bedside. And so I started doing everything I could. I was very aware of where I was at. I was working with a therapist. I was doing a lot of other things to help myself, including breath work. And I was also really into cryotherapy at the time and really turned towards as many resources as I knew and as many people as I knew that could support me at that time. But ultimately, it came down to deciding to walk away because the pandemic had started. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually changed positions. So I I switched hospitals. I 
was actually still in a progressive care unit and COVID hit and I was in a new unit where there wasn't nearly as much teamwork, nearly as much camaraderie as I was used to. And I feel very lucky. I feel very blessed that throughout my career, I had amazing coworkers. I worked on the best teams and never felt like I was just, you know, flying solo. But with this position, for the first time, I really felt that way. And between the mental health struggle, all my physical challenges, and then walking into that environment in the middle of a pandemic and beginning to be given, you know, additional responsibility and being told that, you know, I didn't have a choice. I had to go back into ICU because I had the experience. I knew I could do it. And so that was kind of being pushed on me. It just really became a situation for me, really, truly, it was life and death because I woke up every morning not wanting to get a bed, not wanting to live. And I still remember the moment that I had a patient who was there for a suicide attempt. And I remember looking at this patient and thinking to myself, like, I see myself in you, like I am you right now. And you would never know it because I put on this mask and I smiled. You would never know I was fully functional. And that was, I went home that night and said, I have to, I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to, you know, figure this out. I'd already known for a while that I, I needed to, but this was the point where I had no other choice. Well, I mean, that's a, that's an incredible story. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. And you've said a lot of things in, in there as well. Uh, and one of the things that you said was when you were going to the doctors or to the healthcare system in general, just not feeling heard, seen, or even believed. And there are so many people out there that have that same issue. Like if you don't get a diagnosis, <laughs> you know, if we can't put all your wow. symptoms into a nice little box, and then people start thinking you're you're crazy or you're, I don't know, attention seeking or you want drugs or who knows what, what it is um, that we all think. But what is fascinating is that a lot of this stuff, I feel like as we get more into it, can really be dealt with as we deal with our stress levels, really knowing what we want out of life and, and what we don't want. And I, it sounds like that's kind of what you went through uh, in terms of, and especially seeing that one patient and seeing yourself and recognizing that maybe this isn't the path I want to be on, right? Yeah, at that point, and I had known this for a while, but that was really the turning point for me of I am not living in alignment with my truth and what I want from life and you know what I desire my life to look like. And I had not remembered the last time that I was truly happy. You know, I had moments where, you know, I tried to prioritize fun and stress relief and doing all the things. But at the end of the day, I was still ending up feeling like I was. And so I knew there was no choice anymore. It was now or never. Right. So when you went home that night and decided that was it, did you have kind of future plans like I'll get a job somewhere else or you know, I'll go live with mom and dad or what was the thought? Great question. So I did not have a plan and that was what was so scary about it. You know, I had spent I'd spent a lot of time trying to figure it out and then it wasn't until I finally left that I realized I was actually never going to figure it out in that state. And I don't think that's the case for everyone, but I was just so far to in the in the extreme at that point that I needed to allow my body time to calm down because I was really in a true fight or flight state with my nervous system. And when you're in that state, especially chronically and to the point that I was, I just it's really hard to figure it out. So I had no plan. 
I knew that I couldn't stay at the time I was living in California. I was living in San Diego. I knew I could not afford to stay there if I left. You know, I knew if I told my employer about what was going on, that I would be forced on, you know, temporary disability. And that's not what I wanted because I didn't want to go back. And I also knew that the income on disability was probably not going to sustain me to stay in California anyway. And so I jumped blindly into (laughs) the unknown completely with no plan. And it wasn't until quite some time later that it came to me. Yeah. So October, uh, was this October of 2020 that you jumped ship? You, you had to leave, you know, basically decided, okay, so what happened the next day? I made the decision and I ended up giving, um, you know, two weeks notice. I might've given even more than two weeks notice. And I just started, you know, going through all my belongings and, you know, kind of purging whatever I didn't want. Um, you know, I have a boyfriend as well, my partner, Casey. And so, it wasn't just me who's being affected by all of this. We collectively, you know, we we decided amongst ourselves that we were going to leave the state. And we just came up with the plan of going back to, I grew up in New Jersey, I was born and raised there. So going back to New Jersey for a while so I could be around family, be around familiar faces, be around, you know, close friends that had known me for years and knew what was going on and really try to regroup and just reset and figure out what was next. I really had no idea. You know, for the months prior to me making that decision, finally, I had been looking for other employment. I was looking into, you know, private duty nursing and home health and all of that. And nothing really came through. And I think that was truly a sign from the universe that it was not meant to be. I was not meant to stay in California. It was time to go. It was time to move on and time to finally face healing head on for the first time, really. You moved back to New Jersey with your boyfriend. Is your boyfriend a nurse as well? Or no, he just, no, okay. he's not. Okay, but he had the type of job that he could just leave or did he leave his job as well? Yeah, so during the pandemic, he actually ended up being furloughed. And so he did not have anything to stay there for either. And we okay. knew we wanted a big change. And he had been speaking for a while about changing careers as well. So it was a good opportunity for us both to make big changes together. Yeah, I love that. So I love when um, when things hit rock bottom and you have nowhere to go and you can just make the change, you know, because <laughs> it's so much effort to like, oh, should I do it today? Should I do it tomorrow? You know, sometimes the, the universe just says you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that it was easy. It was so, so difficult. I was just reflecting on this the other day about the feeling of overwhelm that I felt leaving San Diego, driving up into the mountains. It was the sky was beautiful, just looking at all the mountains, looking at everything around me. And I was just sobbing in my car because it was so difficult to leave somewhere that I called home and to leave an entire life behind, not knowing what was ahead. But I knew that it was for the best. So when did your work with breathwork come into play? And at what point did you wake up and say, you know, I think I'll start a business in this? Yeah, great question. So I actually discovered breathwork back in it was I want to say it was 2017. So earlier, late 2017. It's funny that I can't totally remember, but I <laughs> I went to a yoga festival and they had a self-love workshop. So it was a bunch of different facilitators involved in the weekend. And I went to a self-love workshop, not knowing breathwork was going to be involved in it. But the second half of this workshop involved an entire breathwork journey and it blew my mind. And I felt a huge shift in myself immediately after. And I just knew I wanted more. And so I put my name down on a list to be contacted about private breathwork sessions. 
And I went on my way into another workshop on breathwork, not knowing it was going to be the same type of breathwork, not knowing that your first time you probably shouldn't breathe uh, this in this intensive breathwork for like an hour. And so I just blasted off into space because you can definitely take yourself to really deep, deep states with this practice. And again, came out of it like, whoa, what was that? I feel very differently. You know, I felt this sense of calm, this sense of peace inside my body and this sense of acceptance and relief that I hadn't felt probably ever. And so I ended up seeking out private one-on-one breathwork coaching and did that for over six months and then went to every possible group breathwork class that I could following that and continued to do that all the way through all of my burnout and all of the issues I was experiencing. And I truly believe that it was the catalyst for me to gain the courage to finally walk away. Because so many times I had gotten to a point before where I was like, I'm going to do it. This is it. You know, I'm just going to figure it out. And I always backed out, always ended up back at bedside, always ended up having, you know, issues with my health again, um, just when I was starting to feel maybe a little bit better. So I have been doing it for that long. And it was not until Oh my gosh, it was probably January 2021. So a couple of months went by before I came out of my own breathwork practice and I had a breakthrough about wanting to facilitate breathwork for others because it it had been so impactful for me. And at this point, I'd worked through so much of the emotion around burnout, around the grief behind, um, you know, the identity change with leaving bedside nursing. You know, I think We don't speak about that enough. You know, as nurses, we really take on this identity role. And when you walk away from it, it's hard. You have shame around the fact that, you know, you're good at your job and you're contributing. And especially during a pandemic, you know, you can do so much to help people. And so working through a lot of that is really what brought me to deciding to facilitate for myself. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And I actually spoke to my now mentors who are also my friends and who I've, you know, done breathwork with for years at this point. And I said, you know, I think I want to do this. What do you guys think? And they were so supportive. And then they just so happened to announce that they were going to be starting their own teacher training for breathwork. And so it just felt like such divine timing to be able to get into it and to learn from the people that I feel have been most impactful to me in the space. And that's where the journey began. That's an awesome story. So let me ask you this. How do you explain breathwork to people? Like, I'm always thinking my parents would be like, what is that? You know, like, (laughs) just breathe, you know, like, (laughs) um, so like, how do you explain it to people and what type of people end up coming to you? And it's probably one and the same, I'm imagining. So breathwork is a term for a lot of different ways of breathing. So there are many ancient breathing practices and many modern breath practices as well. And all of these practices have the really the same goal of shifting your state. And we do not give our lungs, our breath enough credit for the fact that they are actually a tool that we can utilize to really tap into our nervous system and tap into our subconscious and tap into our bodies. So go back into our bodies because so often we're living in some level of disassociation with ourselves, with our bodies, especially under extreme stress. So breathwork is another way to get back into our bodies, to tap into our nervous systems. And by tapping into our nervous systems, we're shifting the state of our nervous system and therefore shifting how we feel. And so 
what I like to say is, you know, the type of breath work that I facilitate is one that allows us to not only heal, but allows us to transform and really activate our lives. So what I mean by that is that it amplifies everything. So it really brings to light the things that aren't working for us, the things that are working for us. It helps us release stored emotions and trauma and experiences from our bodies because we know now through research that we hold on to a lot inside of ourselves. And it's not just up here in our heads, in our brains, it's also in our bodies, right? Because our cells have memory. And we also know there's a direct correlation between the trauma that we're holding on to and generational trauma. You know, there's many different studies, but somewhere between five and 10 generations that we've figured out that we're holding on to our ancestors' trauma too. And trauma is not the event itself, it's just our body's reaction to it, right? So we are imprinted with not only our own experiences, but of our ancestors, so our parents and all the way back. And so a lot of people that come to me, they don't necessarily always know what's wrong. They just know they don't feel fully fulfilled. And have they tried a lot of other things before they get to you? Sometimes and sometimes not. So I have a very eclectic mix of people that come to me, honestly. Some of them are, you know, pretty happy as things are, you know, status quo, and then start doing breath work and realize like maybe there's some things they want to change with their life or they just feel more joy, more, more freedom. Others, you know, are dealing with health issues that they want to move through. And breathwork is very powerful for really allowing us to take our power back and to really drive home that we truly are the medicine. You know, there is a place for our healthcare system, but we have so much medicine inside of ourselves. We and our lives are medicine. Yes. And so breathwork really drives that home. And then, you know, there's others who have other various things have, you know, gone through a lot of different experiences in life and, you know, feel like they're in the muck and come to try something new. So it's, it's very varied. Okay. So how do you work with clients? Do you work with them one-on-one or in groups or how do you work with them? Yeah. So both. So I run group breathwork classes online and in person. I actually just moved States again. So I am now currently looking for different venues to be able to bring more in-person experiences to the Asheville, North Carolina area, because that's where I live now. But I also run group breathwork classes. So I have a a free monthly breathwork class that I run. And I also have a bi-weekly breathwork class that I run on Sundays bi-weekly. And I also work privately with clients. So I work one-on-one with clients. I also actually work with pairs. So if you're a couple or you could be just, you know, coworkers even or friends uh, that you want to breathe together, I also definitely facilitate for, for them. And I also do groups privately as well. So I have worked with some corporations at this point, worked with some small groups, you know, of just friends that want to breathe together as well. So who are kind of your first clients? Do they end up being friends and family? And where do your clients come from now? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So believe it or not, a lot of my first clients were not family and friends. Some of them did try breathing with me, but it's still definitely something that a lot of my, you know, the people I love in my life, I love them, but they are, I don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it or they're like afraid to do it. And I get it. You know, I think sometimes, you know, it's scary to think about that you might decide that you don't like life the way it is. You know, I think that a lot of people get nervous that, you know, well, life is pretty good right now. Like, what if I do something and it changes me so much that then I'm no longer happy with life? And I don't see it that way at all. But 
you know, everyone that I know that I'm close with knows how much this practice has really impacted me and changed my life. And so not everyone wants to go there. And I totally understand that. And, you know, the ones that have experienced it know it's a pretty intense experience with me as well. But to me, it's so worth it. So yeah, I mean, I would say that mostly it was just that I started really sharing about my experience over social media and started drawing people in. And, um, you know, I've used Eventbrite as my platform for my online classes for quite some time. So I have people from all over the world who come to breathe with me. And I, I honestly should have looked at how many countries it is at this point, but it's a lot of countries at this point. And yeah, they just, they find me, you know, people get drawn to you. I really believe that the people that are meant to cross paths with you do at some point. And so it's been just very organic thus far, just with mostly complete strangers. And I do have some people from growing up that come to breathe with me regularly, but it's pretty few and far between that it's people that know me that come. Wow, that's that's really impressive, uh, and you know, really speaks to the power of social media as well, and and the fact that you've hit a nerve. You know, you've hit something uh, that is of interest to people. That I definitely feel like there's a huge shift away from you know, Western pills and procedures are the answer to all our problems because uh, not. And I feel like people are looking for stuff like what you're doing. And, and there's a lot of different types of this type of, I don't want to call it therapy. It's it's more just self-work, I guess, that is really changing people's lives and helping people that aren't seen and don't have that diagnosis. And even people that do have a diagnosis, uh, you know, it doesn't help to say you have fibromyalgia, right? It still have the pain and, and all that right. kind of stuff. So, but anyway, so what is your vision for this? Do you like where you are now? Do you wish it was smaller, bigger? You know, I don't want to put any type of, <laughs> I don't want to put any judgment. Like everybody's like, oh, you want me to be a billion dollar? I'm like, no, I just, I'm interested in, you know, where you want to take this and what you want it to look like in the coming years. Years. The sky is the limit. <laughs> I was going to say, I really, really, really want to reach as many people as possible through this practice because I think that if we all worked through our stuff, if we all worked through our baggage, which we all have it, and let's face facts, you know, we are always going to have stress in life. There are always going to be things that happened to us, but this practice is about building resilience. So that we're better able to move through the things that happen to us, the things that we go through without it bringing us down, without it creating additional mental issues, additional physical issues, without it sucking our joy. And so I want to reach as many people as possible. I see myself facilitating to large rooms of people. And I especially love in-person experiences, but we're in the day and age now too, where online is just it is what it is. And I still very much enjoy facilitating online as well. But there's nothing quite like touching, being able to touch people in person and really be in the room, being that energy with everyone breathing in the room together. So I see myself, I definitely have goals for filling big rooms for taking it as far as you know, the powers that be the universe wants me to take it. I don't have like super specific goals other than that. You know, it's funny because you know, so many coaches say you have to niche down and you have to decide who your specific audience is. And so far, I haven't fully done that. Because I have people from all walks of life that come to me. And each one of them is just as important to me. And so 
I'm figuring it out as I go with that. And maybe that's not the best practice with my business, but it's worked for me so far. And, you know, on a regular basis, I sell out my classes. So it definitely speaks to, like you were saying, Katie, the need for this, the desire for this, because so many people are walking around just going through the motions and not really happy, not experiencing the level of joy and pleasure and freedom that I know that you can experience. And breathwork really amplifies that. It just opens up your world to what's possible. You know, you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay unhappy. How many sessions does it take? I'm sure you get asked that a lot. (laughs) So it's different for everyone. So for some people, one session is life-changing. There are people that breathe with me that I will never see again, because sometimes it's a case of something really difficult from their past that they have not, you know, released and they release it during that one session and they feel good to go and you never see them again. For others, they continue to come back and work through other things because there's always stuff again in life that comes up and it's a great practice to continue doing. Consistency is what I always say. It's not like you don't go to the gym one time or you don't just brush your teeth one time and that's it. Um, and so I like to drive home, you know, consistency, at least give it a chance, you know, try it at least a few times and see how you feel if you don't necessarily feel something initially because breathwork is funny in this way. It, it's never the same. It never, you never feel exactly the same. You never have the same experience. And so you can have times where you feel like that didn't do anything, but then you're out living your life and you don't even realize how much better you feel until later on. And so consistency is definitely key. And, but I would say at this point, even for myself and my own practice, I've done so much healing that it's not something I have to do all the time. And that is my goal for every single client that comes to me is for you to take back control of your life, take back your power and get to the point where you are not having to focus on healing all the time. We have this, you know, I see it in the holistic space all the time. And I love, I love everything holistic and alternative. I really do. And that's how I, you know, how I even discovered breathwork. But we, I feel like we really, the messaging that we're feeding to people is that this is something that like, you always have to be focusing on this. You always have to be thinking about healing. You always have to think about what are you going to try next? What supplements do you have to take? Like, what do you need to do? And I do not believe that anymore because of my own experience. And so I want people to get to that point where they clear so much that they're able to go out into their lives and live it and not have to think about this other stuff. Of course, yes, exercise, eating well. We know that all those things, you know, taking care of ourselves, sleep, all that is important. But I don't think that we need to always be focusing on this constant need for healing and uncovering the next layer. That's like a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Because it's like burnout, right? You know, we have burnout and I've had a lot of nurses that want to do courses on burnout. And I'm like, nobody wants to talk about burnout. We just want, like, we want to release it, right? We just want to, and it sounds like breath work might be a, a great way to start with that. So if people want to do breath work with you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? So the best way to find me is through my website, thebreathnurse.com or over on social media. So on Instagram, I am at thebreathnurse. And you will find links to all of my classes and to book private sessions on there as well. I am actually going to start doing some monthly uh, workshops as well online. So I look out for that. But for right now, I have my biweekly class. I have my monthly class. And then I I also work uh, with clients privately. And yes, like just to drive that point home, Katie, 
I love that you said that it's a breath of fresh air. Thank you for saying that because sometimes I'm like, I know that I have a very different opinion on this, but I like to tell my clients, like, I don't want you to be my client forever. I want you to be my client for as long as you feel that you need it, that you need to continue releasing and moving through something and moving forward and, you know, building the life of your dreams. But at that point, I'm okay with releasing you. (laughs) You (laughs) Move on. Yeah. 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 You know, there's always going to be someone else who needs this medicine truly is what it is. Just a different way of healing, a different way of, of really thriving. Great. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing this with us today. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such an honor. This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.